is Bloomberg Surveillance. I don't think there's going to be a major change in interest rates anytime soon. The people who think rates are going up think they'll go up a little. Stable oil at $50 would be a wonderful thing for everybody. Consumers would be happy. Industry would be happy. That would be the best of all worlds. The mentality of the Fed has shifted. The Fed does want to normalize rates, and as long as there is not something in their way, they will continue to do that. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Bloomberg Surveillance, Michael McKee and Tom Keen. Extra data checks today. Markets decidedly on the move. Not so much right now, some stasis uh, right now, but wow, overnight, Huge moves in interest rates. Some of the foreign exchange pairs moving. Of course, Korea with a shock rate cut. Thank you, Frederick Neumann of HSBC, for helping us out here uh, with uh, some smart analysis out of Hong Kong. We'll move things on here. Got something to talk about that's absolutely fascinating um, coming up. First of all, though, Bloomberg Surveillance this morning brought to you by Cohn Resnick Accounting Tax Advisory. Is your business ready to break through? See how the professionals... At Cone Resnick can help you guide your business forward. Find out more at ConeResnick.com. We spell it C-O-H-N-R-E-Z-N-I-C-K, ConeResnick.com. And we thank them uh, for their uh, support. Mike, before we get to our esteemed guests, I'll let you bring them in. Um, Vladimir Miklashevsky at Donska Bank, which is a wonderful, interesting economics team, he notices the leptokurtotic. Russia rate call for tomorrow. He's going cross moments out on Twitter. No mention of kurtosis. I was going to make fun of you for that. But but, but you're actually making sense. Now, the average person just drove off the road when I said that. I know. But apparently there is a big trade into Russian paper right now. Yes. Because the <clears throat> Russian Central Bank is meeting tomorrow to decide whether or not to cut rates. Anytime, time. anytime anyone mentions leptokurtosis or kurtosis itself, any of the cross moments, we go apoplectic here at Bloomberg Surveillance. So there it is. If you're looking for a risk trade, there you go. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know what the odds are of a, a rate cut in Russia, but, you know, obviously something yeah. to consider. We were the intro. Dennis Garbin liking $50 a barrel. Why don't you bring in our esteemed guest on well, the likelihood uh, I, I, I of Garbin-like yeah. stability here? I don't know whether Emery to send likes $50 oil or not, but uh, she's got to make a decision on which way it's going to go from there. Uh, the interesting thing is we saw a big run-up from the 30s to 50s, and now, uh, Emery, it's, it's beginning um, – to be sort of a grind. I mean, it's with uh, energy aspects. Sort, sort of uh, beginning to be a grind, and uh, I'm wondering how much further, how much fast, how fast. Good morning, and I'm glad to say you said I don't have a preference for price here. Yeah, I don't, I don't like or dislike any price level. <laughs> that's that's for sure. Uh, no, but I think this is going to be a slow grind higher because of one simple reason: we still have a lot of stocks to run through. Don't get me wrong; we've been positive on oil since the start of the year, even when it was at 27, simply because that wasn't based on fundamentals. Fundamentals are turning. The longer the Nigerian outages last, the quicker we're going to rebalance. But some people who used to expect rebalancing in 2018-2019 have now all started to expect it in H216, which is correct. You know, that's always been our view. But the point is it's going to be a slow move higher because we have to run down these inventories. I think we've kind of, for the market, we've oscillated from being super, super bearish to suddenly everybody's turned bullish. Uh, but it needs to be slightly more measured. 
And this is, uh, you know, a, a market that is a little unlike equities or something like that in the sense that you don't have uh, a an unlimited ceiling for where you can go. Um, how high does this particular rally take us? Where's the cap? I think in the very near term, of course, you're going to get some mini corrections on the way, but around 55, I mean, for me, 45 to 55 is the new trading range, the new $10 range uh, at the moment. Uh, our price forecast for Q3 is 55, Q4 is 65, and this is for Brent. Uh, so again, it's going to be a slow grind higher. But if you think slightly broader, kind of the secular trend, I do think we are setting up, and I think we've discussed this before on this show as well, for a spot higher, but it's probably not till 2018 or maybe late 17, because we are losing immense amounts of supplies, which are just not going to come back very quickly, almost irrespective of the price, because there's a time lag associated between when prices rise or fall, and the decision is taken um, on the supplies. 55-45 is a 20% swing, though, roughly. Um, how volatile can you, uh, is, is this going to be? And of course, it is still a 20% swing. I mean, we don't think it's going to be much more like you're seeing today. You know, you're, you're off about uh, 50 cents or so uh, from yesterday. It is going to trade in that kind of, um, you know, $2 ranges. Uh, but the reason I gave you the $10 range is there are a few important meetings uh, or events coming up. There's Brexit. There's the Fed decisions. So there are some of those macro factors uh, that can lead to a fairly significant right. amount of volatility. Outside of that, it will probably be a couple of dollars. And now for the dumb question of the morning. I'm qualified to ask that. And Rita, I'm fascinated if people like you can ever discover equilibrium in supply and demand. In all your years of studying hydrocarbons, can you actually note when supply lines up with demand or is that just a fiction? I think it's a fiction. I don't think you ever have that. What we, or there might be, you know, a point in time when you get that, but you always oscillate from this huge oversupply which we had. Now we are kind of running through that, and because the okay. market is a market and we kind of swing, right? We've overcut now. We've cut so much supplies that there's going to be this huge. Okay. So we're going to go from this massive then how, supply. Then how do you how do you respond to Gary Schilling's informed call? of sharply lower oil prices because supply won't clear. You know, the, the microeconomics will still allow for a sustained supply of the product. Do you just doubt that that will happen? I think you've stunned her. Not just because of the wildfires, but actual underlying U.S. production today is down about 800,000 barrels per day year on year. More importantly, it's places like Brazil, China. That's where production's falling. I mean, across the world, non-OPEC supplies are... Okay. What about, what about the oil tankers off whichever harbor you want to talk about? The biggest one at the moment is actually in Asia. It's, it's off um, Singapore and Malaysia. And that's an interesting one because if you look at the shape of the curve, the cantango has not entirely disappeared, but we've basically flattened out all the curves. Again, it's a sign of a tightening market. Brent's flat. Dubai is actually in backwardation. And WTI is quite flat as well. 
so the tankers are actually not being held as a storage place. It's basically China because there are these new independent teapot refineries, small refineries that have been given crude licenses. They are starting to import crude oil, but they don't have the infrastructure or the space to do so. So there's massive congestion, which has then spilled over to Singapore, and that's why you're seeing those tankers. Uh, the, uh, the spread between West Texas and Brent uh, has really, really narrowed in recent months, and at some point, uh, brief points, we've had West Texas trading at or above Brent. What about the rest of the world? I mean, there are dozens of grades of oil, but uh, how is, is the rest of the world converging as well? Is, is this becoming a different kind of trade? Yes, I mean, Brent is a, it's stronger than a lot of the Asian trades, particularly Dubai, mainly because Iranian production is rising and that's pressurizing some of that grade. But generally, there's been a very, uh, it's a significant convergence across all the grades. The biggest uh, anomaly used to be West Texas, and because of uh, the convergence there, pretty much everything else is trading broadly in line uh, with uh, Brent and uh, WTI. Uh, obviously, uh, Nigeria is uh, a separate case, but what about uh, Canada? <clears throat> Uh, we have, uh, you mentioned the wildfires, uh, we have uh, sort of written the Canadians off, but as the Canadian dollar gets a, a little bit stronger, are they coming back? A little bit weaker, I mean, are they coming back? They are starting to come back, but unfortunately, I'm sure uh, you've seen there's been another wildfire just like yesterday and early this morning as well. So that's led to the evacuation of two new sites. And the wildfires this time uh, are close to quite a few SAG-D projects or some of the other oil sands projects. So I don't think this is over yet, very, very unfortunately. Um, I may not be of the same scale, but, yes, it's, it has already led to two, um, two sites being evacuated. So, yes, while some of them are coming back, I think others are having to shut down again. West Canada select <clears throat> this morning, 39.13. Wow, that's interesting. Um, I'm Rita Sen. Thank you so much for the energy aspects. Mike, I asked earlier about Canary in a coal mine. John Nigerian is an, a, a, an acclaimed surgeon out of Minneapolis. He had two sons, thugs that became football players, One of them is also named John Nigerian. He put out a dissertation on Twitter, Mike, of canary in a coal mine. Really? It has to do with methane and carbon monoxide, Mm -hmm. which is mostly what Nigerian breathes all day as he hyperventilates about the (laughs) equity and options markets. We say thank you to Dr. Nigerian's son for his perspective on canary in a coal mine. I, it's got to be like, you know, John Mick, Micklethwaite. Micklethwaite would know McKee. I say, get Micklethwaite on the phone on Canary in a coal mine. Futures, negative eight. Time now to check in with uh, John Tucker and get the latest world and national headlines. And President Obama has an Oval Office meeting with Bernie Sanders this morning. Sanders has been under pressure to opt out of the race and clear the way for presumptive Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton. And Clinton's campaign summoned its major fundraisers on a conference call yesterday to quickly mobilize their networks for general election cash. They're asking them to match what they raised for the primaries by the end of this month. As much as $1.1 billion. And Speaker Paul Ryan unveiling today the national security portion of a broad election year agenda for House Republicans, even as Donald Trump is pledging to shake up U.S. diplomacy and reassert American power. Global News, 24 hours a day. From our news bureaus around the world, I'm John Tucker, Michael and Tom. John, thank you so much. John Buttle, Mike McKee, John Buttle invented the 
air pump to clean out the methane in the Yorkshire coal mines. Micklethwaite's grandfather, John Micklethwaite's grandfather, was there as they did the canary in a coal mine, northern England, Peel, 19th century. Yeah, we do. All right, coming up on Bloomberg Surveillance, we're going to take a look at the political race and the implications for the economy. David Malpass of Encima Global.